to another episode of Millennium Live. This is a special edition for our digital enterprise, CIO Assembly, coming up soon. And I'm chatting today with a great company called Lemongrass, which is a solution that's engineering the best SAP on cloud experience to their clients. And they cover a variety of industries, such as hospitality and healthcare. Uh, and to talk about Lemongrass, I'm welcoming the co-founder and chief technology officer, Eamon O'Neill. Eamon, thanks for joining Millennium Live. Thanks for having me, Connor. How are you? Good, good. It's good to see you. And so uh, let's let's uh, let's dive into uh, everything about SAP and what Lemongrass has to offer. So, just to kick things off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and mm -hmm. uh, maybe the reason why you chose to? start Lemongrass? Sure. Yeah, I've worked in, with SAP customers since 1994. Um, and during that period, I've worked with in a lot of different roles, you know, from a technical person through the project manager, change manager, et cetera, et cetera. And the one thing I noticed was there was always opportunity to do things better. There was always an opportunity to bring technology to make SAP customers' life better. So when we started Lemongrass, we had a fairly clear target. We wanted to work with other technology companies to try and make the experience of owning and managing SAP uh, more simple, more effective, and more agile. And that's when we started working with cloud. We, we identified hyperscaler cloud as being one of the most important technical tools available to enterprises as they uh, want to get to grips with some of the fundamentals uh, of improving the SAP experience, which is around automation, making sure that the quality is high, um, the cost is low, and that the experience is very fast and agile. So that's really what we're all about. We're trying to help SAP customers get to the cloud of their choice. When they get there, we help them understand how to adopt a more modern operating model with automation at the core so that they can achieve those kind of very cool outcomes that cloud can promise. That's awesome. And, and I believe that there are some enormous benefits to this, especially on the lemongrass, the lemongrass cloud platform. So could you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that LCP and how that purpose built, how it's purpose built to modernize and automate the SAP systems on cloud? Yeah, I mean, we've gone through a journey. Again, most companies will do the same thing. When it comes to automation, there's a bit of a journey uh, where you learn uh, different approaches, some work better than others. And it's always important to learn from your mistakes. And we certainly have seen uh, the, the whole area change a lot in the last five, 10 years. Uh, so what we've noticed though, is while some tools are becoming very commonplace, like Terraform and Ansible, Puppet Chef, people talk a lot about these tools and they're absolutely useful. Uh, there, there's very little SAP awareness in those type of technologies. They have to be added in. And we identified that to really manage SAP and to write the automation to manage that well, you need to bring the knowledge of SAP to those type of technologies. And with LCP, what we do is we have an orchestration layer that sits above those type of automation technologies. Um, and we can take very simple customer requirements when they ask for certain things, system bills, copies, patching, backup restores, all the kind of classic activities. We can, we can translate those into parameters that we can then pass into automation scripts, which will then execute uh, the, the change that they want to see. And more than that, we can also connect the pipeline runs from each of those executions 
back to the ITSM uh, change record that was approved. So auditors can see a very clear uh, line between an approved request and an actual change on the cloud platform. Um, so for us, you understand in enterprise that everybody wants agility, but they demand control in enterprise. And we're showing that with LCP, they can get the best of both worlds. So of course, there's going to be some challenges uh, of moving operating in the cloud and of course some benefits. So could you just talk about uh, some of the top challenges that you see in moving SAP in the cloud and what also are some of the, the key benefits to doing that as well? Yeah, I think the, the top challenge is um, maybe in chronological order, um, not necessarily in importance, but certainly initially is getting the initial landing zone set up. Um, that can often be a bit of a change of mindset for incumbent teams. Um, but getting that first workload on the cloud, that first piece of infrastructure is, is actually can be tricky initially. But once you get over that, um, then we find trying to, there's a bit of a, a people change. There's a cultural change here. Some people love their hardware. They want to hug the servers. And when you try to explain to them, you know, the, the value of trying to get away from that, we get some resistance sometimes. So we have to work with those people and that can be difficult, you know, time consuming to make sure they understand that actually this is a good thing for them as, as well for the company. Um, and then when you get to um, the actual migration effort itself, I mean, SAP is architected to migrate. I mean, it's migrations on SAP have been happening for many years, moving from data center A to data center B. So there's a lot of people out there who know how to do that step. But what we find is it's all the supporting steps around in cloud that a lot of incumbent teams don't have, and we have to bring those skills to them. And those tend to be around not just the IaaS capabilities, but also FinOps, SecOps, how you bake those into, um, into the design and the target you're moving to. And then finally, coming back to automation again, it's a critical part of achieving the kind of outcomes people want to see with cloud. Um, and it's brand new for most SAP teams. So again, we try to bring that capability with our tool, with our content and, and our people to help customers accelerate towards that sort of end state as they move to cloud. So that's certainly the challenges. Um, and then of course, you know, everything begins after go live. So once you've done the migration, that's when that's when the, that's only then when you get the value. So we we see that some of the operating processes have to change, some of the tool sets that they use to manage have to change. Um, so I suppose the, the operative word there is change. There's a lot of change here for the company. And with change comes, you know, communication challenges as well as technical challenges. All in all, though, it's a very well-trodden path. We found 100% success in getting customers to cloud. We've never failed. Um, despite the fact there's you know, different unique challenges per customer, it's absolutely feasible for pretty much any SAP customer. Yeah, well, everybody's gonna be unique in, mm. in terms of, and it, it is, I think it's a, a little bit more about letting go let it go to and just yeah. letting uh, the cloud do its work. So what are some of the, the benefits you're really seeing in, in terms of when when operating SAP in the cloud? So, so probably the number one benefit that I suppose everybody wants to see is quality. They expect things to be better now. Um, they expect things to be more reliable, more resilient, certainly better capacity, better performance, and even better security. Now, with all of those potentials comes a bit of work you still have to make it happen. Um, but that's where we see customers get most excited is the reliability of using automation to build and patch and rebuild is pretty alarming for a lot of SAP users who've been used to waiting for months for something to happen. 
when they see they can be done at the press of a button, it's it's certainly inspiring for them to um, you know try something new and and see how they can you know use that to, to help the business. So I would say that it's certainly you know the agility that comes with automation, the quality that comes with automation, those things are for most customers you know pretty impressive. I think the cost as well, you know, if it's managed right, and you know we all hear horror stories where people don't manage their costs well, but if you do manage your costs well. The cloud can be incredibly uh, good value for money and not just, you know, cheaper unit prices, but variable spend. So the ability to switch things off when you don't need them, you know, don't have lots of test boxes up all the time, maybe provision them only when you need to run a test cycle. So those type of um, concepts only really can be believed by customers when they start seeing that this is possible. So yeah, it's agility, it's control, it's quality, it's cost, and, and even security, the, the capabilities of cloud for securing your workloads are second to none. Um, and we even have customers who've moved to cloud purely because of the security improvement. And that's the main reason. So all in all, there's lots of good things to be had. But as I mentioned already, you know, it, there's a lot of change that comes with that. So people have to be prepared to be a bit open-minded, try to learn from what other people have done in the past. And then there's a fairly clear path from that kind of open-mindedness to getting those successes. That's great advice. And I want to talk about costs in just a little bit, but you mentioned something before and it's automation. <laughs> so, and when it comes to automation, everybody thinks time saver, right? And make things easier. So what are some of the biggest time-saving automations that you can run in the cloud? Well, pretty much anything that can be automated will run faster than a human can do it. Um, like for example, we, we did a test a while back where we had one of our top basis guys. And this guy is, you know, genius level person, very, very experienced, um, built a, a, an SCP HANA cluster manually um, in about 25 hours. Um, and that's, you know, somebody who knows what they're doing, working at pace, but using manual efforts. Um, with automation, that same system was built in 35 minutes. Um, now, it, of course, you can think, well, great, that's time saving, but it's more than that. When you can build something that quickly, you can try it out cheaply and you can delete it cheaply. So now you've got this ability to fail fast. So, so even though there the might seem on the face of it, you've building it faster, you're actually introducing agility to the, to the team to try these things out, give it a go. If you don't like it, try it again. Um, so I think, you know, from a timing point of view, we see all over everything from system installs, as I mentioned, through to system copies, um, refreshes, the activities you tend to, they tend to take a bit of time and they tend to slow down the ability of the business to get changes through into SAP production. Um, and that's what we try to do. We, we're, we're looking for areas that we can, where we can increase the speed of getting changes, business changes into the SAP production system, because that will generate value to the customer at the end of the day. Of course, that's, that is innovation as a definition. So let's talk about the costs and reducing costs. I mean, I think we have on Lemongrass says that there's cost savings of 40% or more for day-to-day -day SAP operations. So can you really reduce costs by moving to the cloud? And, and if so, how, what advice would you give to those who have some apprehensions about costs? So, so cost is on cloud is a, it's, it's well, that's not too cheesy, but it is a very different concept to classic on-premise procurement cycles. So on cloud, every time you provision something, 
you're actually procuring something. Whether you're increasing the volume, increasing the size of the server, you're purchasing on the behalf of your company. So from a procurement point of view, it can seem like the Wild West. You know, these things can be changing every day. Things can change in size and, and commitment. Um, it's difficult for procurement to keep up. Um, but when you look at um, the benefit and try to support that, then you need to go back, well, how do you control the spend? So there's a couple of things that we recommend. Um, initially, off the bat, um, you work with the hyperscalers to come up with funding. They great, have great funding for migrations. So, you know, and we're... We've spent a lot of time with the hyperscalers working in these programs. Uh, you know, we know how to get the money released from them to help uh, accelerate the migration to cloud. So funding is the number one thing I would say before we get to anything about managing costs. Second thing is, is discount programs. So if again, like anything with a certain commit comes a certain discount. So, you know, we look at the larger scale, uh, larger strategy for the, um, for the workloads you want to move to cloud and see if you can roll that into a, a bigger deal to get a better discount. And then you get into um, list pricing or you know, post-discount post list pricing, if you like. Um, and then you get into managing this variable spend. Well, you know, there's, there's some standard things that the hyperscalers will offer, things like reserve contracts, reserve instances, savings plans. These are, again, on top of discounts, these are additional uh, reductions in charge uh, for committing to use those for longer term. So if you want to use an instance, if it's production, SEP, it's always going to be on anyway. You're better off buying that 100% for three years rather than paying every second for it. You could save uh, just doing that up to 60, 70% in the compute costs. Um, so compute is actually quite easy to um, to optimize. You know, where the workload is going to be on all the time by commit, where it's going to be on partially, schedule the schedule the shutdown of that. But probably the, the biggest hidden cost is in storage. That's the thing which can run away in customers. It's not the compute really. And storage comes from just silly stuff like backups that are, that are not being deleted. It comes from, you know, even like export files that haven't been deleted. We've seen people put storage on uh, like EFS services on Amazon or these very high premium services. They've been using them for file stores, which is completely the wrong use case for, for what they needed. And they end up spending way too much on the, on the type of storage that uh, instead of using the ones that they really need. So, so what we find is if you take um, a, a very close eye on the backup strategies, the file, uh, the tiering of the storage, um, you can really slash back the storage costs. Now, the thing with cloud is, as I said, every day it's changing. People are buying new stuff, changing things on your platform. You've got to continually look for those optimizations. It's not a one-off exercise. Of course, it's boring doing that every day, so you should automate. You should write automated checks that will look for those type of things. The hyperscalers themselves do it. They already create recommendations on how you can reduce your cost by doing those checks. But you can build your own, more SAP specific, potentially more your company specific, where you can put in certain rules to try and keep that cost down. So it's an ongoing battle. It never ends, um, but it's all programmatic. It's all um, automatable. And certainly, you know, we're seeing that um, if customers apply those type of disciplines from the very start of the engagement through to post-go live, they can absolutely save more than 40%. We have a customer savings over 70% of their spend oh, wow. by getting to cloud. Absolutely. I, I have trouble uh, managing the storage on my iPhone, <laughs> let, <laughs> let, let alone that. So let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. I uh, question about downtime 
is there i mean what is zero downtime how would somebody do it but is there really such a thing <laughs> so uh, look, there's two there's two types of downtime there's planned downtime and unplanned downtime unplanned downtime has been the target of vendors for many years to try and come up with solutions to mitigate the risk of a single point of failure collapsing um, and they are, are you know the architect around that add extra components and they've done amazing work over the like since I started working in SAP, the capabilities of the OS providers, SAP themselves, other DB providers, you know, it's phenomenally good. So, so often the the unplanned downtime is actually it's nearly it's not quite solved, but it's really close to being solved. Especially if you run it on hyperscaler, with all the redundancy that that has as well, you know, the, the, you're really the likelihood of an event happening gets smaller and smaller and smaller. However. The thing we see that's still not really being addressed is planned downtime. So when you need to patch your system, when you need to take it down to resize it, you might want to, you know, whatever the, the activity is, people often have a monthly downtime window where they do maintenance and they will uh, look for whatever, four hours, eight hours. But every time they do that, they're affecting the business. Um, now for larger companies that are 24 seven operations, that might mean people in a plant uh, on a factory line having to uh, pre-order uh, components that they're going to assemble uh, before SAP goes down for the maintenance window. And then after they've assembled those units, they have to go back and rekey the data back in. That's really disruptive, easy to make mistakes on when you're moving away from the normal operations. So plan downtime is really disruptive. And what we're doing in Lemongrass is we've identified that, you know, and this is all the way back to when I said, you know, just getting SAP in cloud was, would be helpful to customers. What we're doing is bringing cloud concepts to SAP teams. And one of the ones that we're working on at the minute is bringing immutability of SAP uh, to the SAP teams. And, and that means that we can not only um, have very reliable states for the systems that we, ha we have built and are running, but when we want to move to secondary state, we want to make a patch or a change or whatever it might be, we can do that with almost zero downtime. Um, and that's, that's a, I think it's going to be a revolutionary for enterprises running SAP to be able to do this. It means not only you know, can they deal with the current load of changes they need in their maintenance window, but by moving to cloud, you must patch more frequently because you're on public cloud now. You cannot ignore security patches when they come out. That means that the, the frequency yeah. of planned downtime will go up unless you had a solution like we were talking about. So, so zero downtime is a mix. It's a mix of unplanned and planned. Um, I think, as I said, I think there's plenty of capability to get the unplanned solved. So by default, we'll bring customers in, give them clustered SAP solutions so that they can have cross AZ capabilities or availabilities. But we're also attacking this uh, planned downtime. We see that as the real enemy over the next few years. And we're hoping to help all our customers get to that sort of end state where they get effectively zero downtime across both scenarios. That's great. That is great. So just a couple more questions for you, Eamon. Um, you know, with moving to the cloud comes flexibility, both business-wise and you get that IT flexibility too. So mm -hmm. overall, how does moving SAP to the cloud help business overall and provide that business flexibility, that IT flexibility that CIOs are looking for? Yeah, well, ultimately, this is the end state, right? This is what we're trying to do is, like I've described to some of our team that what we're trying to do is effectively Uberize 
the SAP operations, which is, you know, ultimately we want to take people out of it where we can. We want to make it easy for requesters to know what they need to ask for and what it's going to cost them straight away. You know, just like in an Uber app, you know, you don't have to phone anybody and discuss what the fare might be. You don't have to wait, uh, you know, until they're late and then phone the station and find out why they're late. And then at the end of it, you don't even have to take the, your wallet out and, uh, and pay with cash or whatever. The ability to take those steps out makes Uber and Lyft just to keep it even. But that kind of digitalization experience, incredibly useful. And we want to bring that same experience to SAP customers. And the reason for that, the whole reason for this is to make the business more agile. And what does that really mean? Well, we've, I was chatting to a, a chief digital officer a couple of um, years back, actually, and, um, in LA. And he was telling me that, um, so he was in a food company, uh, a retail food company, and they were building one, they're trying to design one of these, you know, touchscreen order menus within the, the stores where you can go in and um, order what you want. Um, now, as part of their business, they used SAP in the back end of this process. Um, but as he was trying to new versions of, of the, uh, the screen, he needed a refreshed copy of SAP, but it was taking three weeks to get that every time he wanted it. So while he was innovating on a daily basis, the SAP innovation was on a kind of two weekly basis or even slower. And he was getting very frustrated. It was slowing him down. He couldn't try out these new ideas because of the, the slowness of uh, the IT process around SAP. So what we're trying to do is make the SAP agility the same as you find with modern front-end tools so that you can then innovate faster. Um, and what we see is it's not just you know, like there's a nice idea of a menu in a store, but hyperscalers are releasing so much innovation these days. I mean, across the list of services they do, where there's AI, voice, image recognition, you know, take your pick. Um, customers really want to use this stuff, but they can't use it with SAP if SAP is not agile. And you cannot be agile if you have not automated And you cannot automate SAP unless you're on cloud. So ultimately, getting to cloud, getting SAP to cloud, getting it automated and making it agile is how you can help or we can help the businesses start to get at the real innovation which is what the hyperscalers are providing. Well, I can't let you go without asking one final question, and it's about the future mm-hmm. of where you see this space going. And you know, you have over 220 SAP engagements in over 20 plus countries. You have over 8,000 SAP servers under management, and over 400,000 SAP users supported. Are you just getting started? Where is where do you see this this cloud migration going for SAP? Honestly, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot more. There's a lot of customers haven't moved to cloud yet. We we think there's probably twenty five percent of customers have moved, which means seventy five percent have still got to do it. And I'm convinced all people will move. I mean, there might be five percent of stragglers, but certainly, pretty much every customer we talk to, or we bump into, or hear of is already thinking about what they're going to do with cloud. So I think it's going to continue, but I think that will be a you know a limited period. Maybe in the next five years, we might get to 90% and 5%. And then the question is, what's next? Well, that's where I believe you know the real value of cloud is not just cheap infrastructure. It's getting access to the innovation and a, effectively a collaborative platform for innovation. You know, there's a, a network effect that happens when, when uh, if you're a developer, you're going to develop on the cloud where the most customers are. So, or at least the three big clouds, 
you want it to work across those three big clouds because that's what the customers are. If you're a customer, you want to go to where all the developers are innovating. So we've got this network effect. But what it means is once all the customers have moved to clouds, all the developers will be innovating on cloud. And I think that's when you're going to start seeing some amazing capabilities, not just you know, for inter, uh, individual enterprises, but cross enterprise, where, where the hyperscalers will facilitate the ability for supply chains to connect to each other via clouds and via standard services. Um, and you know, that, that, that's only a good thing for everybody on the planet. It'll optimize um, you know, hugely uh, the, the entire supply chain. But it goes beyond that as well, I think, when it comes to insights for, for understanding customer behavior, when it comes to um, you know, many other uh, industry insights that people are looking at, having cloud technologies available, having everything on global clouds will allow, to whatever extent customers want to, allow them to share information and reap information and get better at what they're doing. So yeah, I, I think it's incredibly exciting. I think I really believe this cloud migration is the start of something really huge for all industry. And for Lemongrass specifically, our job is to make sure we get customers up there. We make sure we automate those operations. We want to make SAP agile so it can be part of the game. And then we'll help customers extend that into data lakes, into API extensions, into voice, into AI, et cetera. I mean, all those things we will help customers do, but our first priority is to get them to cloud first. Well, I can't thank you enough uh, for your time today. Eamon O'Neill, co-founder, chief technology officer at Lemongrass. Thanks for joining Millennium Live and talking all about the best SAP on cloud automation platform Absolutely. in the industry. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure.